Hello and welcome to the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. Rachel is a speaker, inspirational author, and an overcomer. As Rachel is walking through her own journey of grief, she's challenging others to persevere and overcome their own circumstances. Find out more at rachelflick.com. Here now is your host, Rachel Flick. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. Today I have the honor of bringing you mother and author Leanna Tankersley. Mother of three, including twin mom, Hala, and a hope warrior, she is the author of six books, including her newest book, Hope Anyway. Leanna is a co-host on the podcast Moms Unscripted, and she is the managing editor of the Mops magazine. Leanna lives in Central Virginia. Welcome, Leanna. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Rachel. It's my pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I love that you are managing the Mops magazine because you and I got to meet at a mom con a couple years ago um, and you were speaking about um, your journey through hope then also. That's right. I know it was a it was an awesome meeting that we just kind of ended up being able to hear each other's stories in the green room before we went on stage and shared mm-hmm. with 3,000 of our closest friends, yes. like the most intimate details of our stories. But, it, it was um, pretty intimate. That's yeah, funny. It yeah. was. It, but at the same time, it was such a, um, being able to hear your story and knowing that I was going to be sharing mine from the stage, it was really the first time I had shared with that many people. It gave me a lot mm. of courage and it helped me to know that, you know, this is what we need as women, yeah. as mothers, as humans. We need to hear each other's stories because things in life, they just don't always go as we planned, as you well know. And so we need to hear that from other people too and how they're dealing with it. Absolutely. Well, that's so encouraging for me to hear that because um, for the listeners, this is the first time I've talked to Leanna since I met her back in 2018. And when I heard her story, I felt really encouraged about um, just that sense of loss that you can't control. And what does that look like to walk forward into hope and um, you know, kind of through those hard places with vulnerability. So that's really cool to me that that was encouraging for you too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell the listeners a little bit about your backstory and how you you came inspired to write about hope. Yeah. Well, um, in 2017, so the year before we met Rachel, um, I kind of found out unexpectedly that my marriage was going to be ending. And I'm sure there's some listeners who have gone through this um, and have, uh, their life has taken a 180, a 360 mm. with not a lot of notice. And that's what happened to me. And um, I we had been married uh, 14 years at the time. Mm. We had three small children. And um, I found myself going through a divorce that I didn't want, that I couldn't change, that I couldn't, um, I couldn't fix. And, yeah. um, you know, I've, I've been writing for my, my, really my entire life, but I've been writing professionally my whole adult career. And I, I don't know anything else to do, but to just start writing, especially when I'm going through a hard thing. And so I opened a file on my computer and I just started writing and, and, um, what really started emerging, and this was more on my own to make sense of the experience, but what started emerging is what do we do? <laughs> what do we do with our faith? our sense mm-hmm. of hope, um, when we do not get the outcome we had wanted. Because yeah. life is does not guarantee, again, as you well know, Rachel, life does not guarantee the outcomes that we prayed for, wanted, 
hoped for. And so I started writing, as I said, on my own about hope. And then, so then if we don't, if, if hope isn't about getting the outcomes that we feel we are owed or that we feel we want, um, then is hope a trick? Hmm. And so like I started, an illusion, right? Like, is it real? Yeah. Is it something that's just sort of like, okay, this is a nice thing for us to talk about, but it's really like pixie dust. It's not actually resilient. It doesn't actually have bones to it. Kind of like toxic positivity. Exactly. Is this a toxic concept that we just sort of say, um, oh, well, you know, be sure to be a hopeful person and keep your hopes up, but it's, mm -hmm. it's impotent in the face of hardship. But then there's this other part of me um, that just didn't believe that. I didn't have an answer, but I didn't believe it. I thought there's something about hope that is um, stronger than that. I just know it because even though I was going through this horrible thing, I knew in my heart that it would not erase me. It would not annihilate me. It would not consume me. I knew in my heart, and I don't know how to even explain this other than my own faith, that I was going to rise out of this somehow, some way. And so I thought, you know, hope has to be stronger than just getting, than just what outcomes we do or don't get. So I started writing and writing more and a couple years passed and um, here we are in a pandemic. <laughs> and I what a great opportunity to practice. <laughs> I know. And I was writing really in earnest the manuscript for the book when the pandemic started. And um, I realized uh, I was witnessing people's lives going sideways and people being resilient in the face of that. And I thought there's something to this. There's something stronger in us than um, this kind of hope that's akin to wishing, you know, so this mm -hmm. is another aspect of the book that, and my own journey is as I started pulling apart hope, I thought, you know, we really treat it like we do many of these big words where we say things like, I hope it snows on Christmas, or I hope the chargers win the Super Bowl, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, I hope I don't get terrible wrinkles or whatever it is. And it's really <laughs> about wishing. It's mm. really a wish. And, um, that hope is, uh, this thing that, sticks in us despite outcomes. And, and it's not that everything went well that we have hope. I was left with hope because things didn't. And I realized that I'm never going to be alone. I'm always loved. I'm always seen. And um, that gives me great hope. So I have shifted this idea from hoping for certain outcomes to now one of my most important spiritual practices is what can I put hope in you know what are all mm. these things in my life that i can invest hope in because i can't always hope for a certain outcome okay so tell us what some of those things are that you can hope in that's good well the first thing that comes to mind for me is relationships and my people i, I don't know mm. if you have people that you always can um you know they're not perfect humans aren't perfect mm -hmm. but when this when i was going through this i my people just would not allow me to slip through the cracks Hmm. And is that true in your story, Rachel, that people really rally? The community was absolutely key to me. Yeah. Like not jumping off a cliff yeah, for right. sure. I don't know how to do it without at least a small squad of people who rally around you. So that is a place where I continue to invest my hope, knowing that um, it pays off and it holds. These are people that picked up each corner of the stretcher <laughs> when I was metaphorically yeah, on it, right? Good. Which none of us right. want to be that person in that vulnerable position, but sometimes we have to take our turn. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. we get to be that really strong 
person who picks up a corner of the stretcher for someone else. And sometimes it's our turn to lay down. And I, I like to be, I don't like to be that. I was going to say, how do you do asking for help? Yeah, Yeah, not great. And I like to be high functioning and I want to be the person who's like strong and heroic and able to help, able to help someone else out. But this was uh, just, this is what it was. I was reduced, you know, I was Mm -hmm. in need. And um, so, yeah, one of the things that has really held are my people. And so I continue to invest in those relationships and invest hope in those relationships that when the hard thing comes, those people will rally. Again, it's not going to ever be perfect. We're all humans. But uh, so, you know, I guess I'm encouraging the listener right now to think about, okay, who are some of those people in your life who, you know, you know that um, they see you and they help you remember who you are and they'll be there for you and invest in that. Uh, Something else is just, these little practices, you know, I also tend to be someone who loves the big gesture, mm-hmm. the complete overhaul. I'm going to totally change my life. And what I realized is the way that you deal with grief is one step at a time. You walk mm-hmm. it out, sometimes a half step at a time. Like this is not done in one giant gesture. And so some of the other things that I've put hope in are these small practices that tend to always deliver for Tell me more of those yeah what for me when i um, right after the um right after i found out about the divorce about a year later so this was right right before you and i met mm-hmm. uh, we moved from the west coast in san diego to the east coast in central virginia and right when we moved here we were in a small apartment and so i had three kids and i had our labradoodle puppy. (laughs) Because I said that Christmas, I don't care what else we do, but we're getting a puppy because we all need love and joy and comfort. And it wasn't like I had the resources or margin to deal with a puppy, (laughs) but I just felt like this is what we have to have, you know? Yes. So that's even one practice is like, what's something, Uh what's some way you can bring joy and comfort and companionship into the lost space, you know? And for everyone that's different, but for us, the puppy really has done it. And so Mm. we got there to Virginia and I'm in this apartment. And we had had an acre of land in San Diego and I could let her out and let her roam. Well, now, not anymore. Mm-hmm. And she all of a sudden developed a tiny bladder apparently. So, you know, <laughs> four times a day, she's looking at me to get that leash and take her out. And, um, you know, I begrudged it so much, Rachel. It was like, I don't have the energy for this. I don't have the time for this. This is ridiculous. What have I done? Um, but looking back and even a couple months into it, I had this little feeling like this is probably saving me. Because mm. I can tend to get very paralyzed. I can tend to lose like all of my bones, like no skeleton <laughs> in my body. Are we talking about the no bones dog no on TikTok? Bones. Like yes. if he has no bones, it's a bad day and he just yeah. flops back into bed. <laughs> That's how I feel some days, you know, I no bones. I have no bones. <laughs> but Rosie, our Labradoodle, mm. she like made sure I had some skeletal fortitude because I could get up and <laughs> yeah. get her out. And so, yeah, we would walk and, um, and even to this day, I, I think there's times where it's like, I just don't know what to do. And it's like, Leanna, go outside. And it doesn't mm. need to be a 10 mile hike straight up a hill. It needs to be 10 minutes out in your neighborhood. And um, so, yeah, I walked that dog through four distinct seasons, you know, and I got to see dogwoods and fireflies and changing fall leaves and winter Beautiful. frost. And it allowed beauty to come in. And I needed it more than I realized. And left to myself, mm-hmm. heck no, I would have been in bed. Yeah. You know, but the dog got me out. And so now I, I'm reminded of that. 
Mm -hmm. Those little things. And I like how you compared it to the other option is obviously a 10 mile hike up the mountain, right? Like, like those are clearly like one or the other. And I think, you know, when you, you said you like to be high achieving, you like to be the person holding, you know, the stretcher, right? Not the person in the stretcher. And so um, when we are going through pain to say those little things that I'm doing right now to get some sunshine on my face, right? To, to get up and to drink a glass of water and to, you know, maybe walk around the block. Or I, I created a space on my deck that I, that I tease is my favorite space in the house, even though it's outside, because I can just sit there and sit in the sunshine and it's beautiful. You know, yes. and sometimes that's the difference between no bones in my bed and like getting perspective outside and being able to feel the presence of Jesus again. I 100% agree with that. I have a little space on my back patio. There is something about nature and about um, getting away from only touching screens and only looking mm-hmm. at synthetic things and seeing creation and breathing fresh air that grounds us and that brings mm-hmm. us back to God's presence and brings us back to, I even think sometimes like what's actually true about us and the world. And we can spin a lot of crazy stories, can't we? And I think sometimes when we get outside, it reminds us of who we are and that the world is still beautiful, that it hasn't crashed around us. And I think those are important, important reminders. Another practice that I have, which maybe you'll laugh at this, but, um, I say to myself, okay, Leanna, when I'm just walking around in circles in my house and I don't know what to do next, I say, Leanna, if you don't know what to do, make soup. And I found um, that I have this very simple recipe for soup. My kids call it the special soup. And I will tell you, Rachel, there's nothing special about it, (laughs) but they love it. They like it a lot. And so that helps. But I have to win. Yeah, it's a peasant soup, but there's enough chopping and sauteing involved, Mm -hmm. but not too much that it's like, again, it's not a 37 recipe slow cook for two days soup. Because I think sometimes, yeah. again, it's either that or yeah. it's um, cold pizza, right? It's uh-huh. something a little bit in the middle. And so yeah. I get out my cutting board and I, an onion and garlic and I start getting that going and sauteing. And mm. in about 45 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe even less, I have I have a soup that I, and I haven't even had to tend it for that amount of time. It's really simple. And I have, I find um, when I'm moving my hands, and creating mm-hmm. something. It brings mm-hmm. me back into my body. I get in my yeah. head. I don't know about you. I get in my head. Oh, oh my gosh. And it just- The hamster wheel is real. Yes. So mm-hmm. like these simple practices also tend to get us back into our body. And then at the end of it, I have something delicious and warm mm-hmm. to serve my kids that we all get to eat and enjoy. That'll break through depressive energy, like just about like like almost wow. nothing else will. Yeah. And so I just want, I, again, I want to emphasize that um, grief and loss and depression are very, very real things. Mm-hmm. And it tends to, we tend to feel it all in our body. Yeah. So what can I do with my body that will help break through some of that, that difficult energy? Mm-hmm. Well, incense are so grounding, you know, and I don't know about you, but the smell of um, onion and garlic, like sauteing in butter, olive oil is like crack. Like, yes. I don't know what it is yes. about that combo, but oh it gosh. makes my mouth water right yes. now just thinking about yeah. it. I'm going to have to have you share this recipe so that I can cook I will. it because there's something so comforting about yep. soup too, yep. right? It's like warm yep. and, and, you know, you can hold that bowl or that cup in your hands. And um, it, for me, it evokes 
that warmth of fall and winter and being tucked in instead of, um, you know, depression can feel cold and isolating. And, and it kind of, um, when you bring the senses into the grounding process, it can really connect you back with, um, like you said, get out of your head and into your body, your feet are on the floor, mm-hmm. you know, um, and sometimes I tease about it and boss camp teaches about, you know, getting grounded when you wash the dishes, yeah. you know, the warm water on your hands and, and the feeling of the soap and the sunshine coming through the window. And, uh, you know, in the past I've made light of that, of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like warm water, that's really going to change my life. But when you really do dial in down to those simple pleasures, there's something, um, very kind very loving mm. um, and and just um, pulling you out of that spin cycle of fear and anxiety that gets going when we're in our heads. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's perfectly said. You know, again, I want to emphasize because it's been true in my own life that I'm looking for the big change or the way mm-hmm. to totally flip things on its ear or fix everything. And that um, I, I say this all the time to me, the definition of grace is that there's always a hand reaching towards you. Mm-hmm. There is always a hand reaching towards you. Now, Sometimes that hand doesn't look the way we want it to. Sometimes it is not uh, in the time or the way or the uh, direction that we want it to be. But there's always a way to uh, to come back to yourself, to come back to God, to come back to love. And maybe that's a labradoodle with a leash in its mouth. Maybe it's the smell of garlic and yeah. onion. And maybe it's just warm water on your hands. But I love this conversation mm-hmm. because this is where I have found hope. Because mm-hmm. this is actually what has created strength, resilience, and rest in my life. I couldn't change the final outcome. I tried. I tried. Mm-hmm. And there were so many things involved in that that I did not have control over. But these things we can do. And I love what you say that they're kind. It's a way that mm-hmm. we are like, we're good to ourselves. And we don't push ourselves. We we invite ourselves into our own life. That's significant. Mm-hmm. That absolutely is. So I hear all of those practices coming into strength, resilience, and rest. When you think about resilience, what does it look like to keep getting up when you don't have control over the outcome? You've talked about how that is um, an important part of authentic hope, right? Not Mm -hmm. wishing hope, but authentic hope. Um, What has resilience looked like in your story? Hmm. I love that question. Resilience has looked a couple of different ways. And one of them, the first one that comes to mind might sound counterintuitive, but resilience has looked like getting the help and support I've needed. And so Mm -hmm. there's no way that I could have navigated, especially the early days and weeks of this crisis in my life without a therapist, a Mm -hmm. trained pay for therapist, you know, that I went to regularly that helped me understand how to walk my kids through this, that helped me understand the things I needed to be thinking about. So I didn't get lost in just the chaos and disorientation Mm -hmm. of the situation. So for me, sometimes I think we equate resilience with, um, independent strength and it's not, you know, um, that for me, resilience has looked like getting the help and support and seeking it out and accepting it that I've needed. Um, 
I think also resilience has looked like actually coming back to the things I really believe. One comes to mind, it's actually from a scripture in Lamentations, which is a book in the Old Testament Bible. And I think some of us may have heard this verse before where it talks about his mercies are new every morning. Great Mm. is your faithfulness. Right before that verse is a verse we don't hear very often. It says this, because of God's great love, we are not consumed. Mm -hmm. Resilience to me is that at the end of the day, no matter how hard I've been knocked down, and and you and I have gotten knocked down pretty hard, and I'm sure there's some people listening that got knocked down pretty dang hard. Right. At the end of the day, resilience is I know that I am not consumed. And it's because Mm. I am aware and I believe that I'm so deeply loved. And that's a divine love. That is Mm -hmm. love that transcends my circumstances, transcends my losses, transcends my sadness. And so um, I I don't know about you, but there's a lot of days where I felt like this is all consuming. And I put that verse, yeah, I put that verse on a paper and I actually stuck it in my pocket. I put it on my bathroom mirror. Because of God's great love, we are not consumed. So for me, resilience looks like, it doesn't mean having every day be good. It doesn't mean, um, you know, toxic positivity or feigned Mm -hmm. strength. That's not, that's not actual resilience. Resilience is on the hardest day, believing as my head hits the pillow and and saying it in a breath prayer on the inhale because of God's great love. And then on the exhale, I am not consumed. You know, I've been um, studying a little bit about Um, what does our inner voice sound like? And is it a critical coach or is it a kind um, parent? Hmm. And I hear the potential of the story of, you know, you're like, I'm going to do the 10 mile, you know, up the mountain. I'm carrying um, the tarp. I'm the helper. I'm in a place of strength. And I hear you talking about a transition to just caring for yourself with more gentleness Hmm which I feel like requires a fair amount of vulnerability. Yeah. And you talk about vulnerability in your story and how this book has been so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, what role has vulnerability played in your healing? So good. And I agree with you. You know, I can tend to be very critical of myself. I can tend to let um, shame take over the narrative. And mm-hmm. um, so so something that has been vulnerable for me, I guess you could say, is um, is deciding that I'm going to treat myself like I would a friend. Mm. It's actually a vulnerable practice because what I know best and what's a habitual part of my own personality over the years is to bully myself and yeah. to strong arm myself and like this white knuckling of the circumstances, mm-hmm. like I'm going to change this. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make this better for everyone. And uh, for me, vulnerability has been coming alongside myself and saying, it's not all up to you actually. And, um, and yeah, you know, let's uh, turn toward ourselves at the posture of grace and understanding. If, if you came to me, Rachel, and you said, I just found out I'm getting a divorce and I'm having a really hard day. And this is mm-hmm. like the 34th hard day in a row I'm having. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say to you, 
oh my gosh, this is, you are so annoying. You are, you know, <laughs> could you get it together? Yeah, right. <laughs> I can't tell you how much prayer you've required through this. You know, like I wouldn't be contemptful and I wouldn't be exhausted mm -hmm. by your need yeah. necessarily. I would say you're my dear friend and I love you. And of course, this is mm -hmm. impossible. How often do, are we unable to turn toward ourselves with that same kind of love and compassion? And so, um, there's a vulnerability in doing that though, because sometimes our default is to muscle. Mm -hmm. And it's vulnerable to say, um, I'm going to surrender. This is the thing I want to get to in a second. This is another mm -hmm. very vulnerable practice, but I'm going to surrender to what's actually happening. And I'm going to come around the table and sit next to myself and say, um, I'm with you. We're going to do this together. And it's really hard. And uh, you're stronger than you think. And you have a lot of resources around you. So what do we need right now? Let's just think about that one thing. What do we need right now? And that's actually, mm. there's a vulnerability in that because it requires a lot of surrender. And that's just the next, the second thing I would say about, about what's vulnerable to me. So Leanna, this interview is amazing and I want to continue it in a part two. Do you think we could talk about that yeah. surrender piece in the yes. next interview? Let's do it. Wonderful. Let's continue that. So Leanna, where people want to find you, where are you at? Yeah, you can find me at my website, LeannaTankersley.com. And I'm most active on social media on Instagram. And my handle is Leanna Tankersley. Okay, perfect. And tell everybody the title of your newest book. My new book is Hope Anyway, and it's available wherever books are sold. Um, and then I have five others lined up behind that. So you can check those out on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the other great places to get books. That's wonderful. Yeah, it popped up for me for my Audible membership when I was searching yes. for you, which I yes. love. Yeah, I recorded it myself. So that's really oh, fun to voice. get to do that. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Wonderful. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us for part one of my interview with Leanna Tankersley. Please come back and join us again next week for part two. And she's going to jump in on what surrender looks like in authentic, deep hope. Everybody, if you want to connect with me, my website is rachelflick.com and my email is contact at rachelflick.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Everybody have a wonderful week and come back next week for another amazing conversation. You've been listening to the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. To find out more, go to rachelflick.com. While you're there, you can book Rachel for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. Go to rachelflick.com to book her today. While you're online, you can discover more information about all of the platforms that this podcast is on. Also, be sure to click on the social media icons at the top of the page and you will be directed to Rachel's social media sites. If you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate if you would subscribe and leave us a review. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time for another edition of the Hopecast with Rachel Flick.